Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You're listening to You Can Tell Me Anything, quarantine edition. What does that really mean? All of these episodes have been recorded in a pod, if you will. Um, it is a podcast. Wow. Um, you know, coming in hot Sunday night. Full panic and dread for the future, but um, podcasts must be edited. Okay. <laughs> So this is the intro where I give you some things to look forward to of my personal comedy. So here I go. Okay, um, I'm hosting Comedy Quarantine on Instagram live all week, Monday through Friday. Um, this episode drops Wednesday, so I don't know. Do with that what you will. Uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time. So whatever that time is in your local, that's when I'll be live for an hour on Comedy Quarantine's Instagram account. And that's like a little stand-up showcase I do on Instagram, along with um, former guest Barbara Gray and uh, producer Sam Varela. Um, also, we'll be doing another live stream tonight, if you're listening to this when this pod comes out. Molly Ruben Long, um, another former guest of this pod, is hosting a show on her Instagram, and I'll be performing on that as well. Uh, I have started updating my website with other live streams I'm doing as if they are shows. They are, but they're not. You know. You guys know what's going on. So if you do want to catch me on the live, you can go to my site, tweezilycomedy.com. Um, what else can I tell you? Um, well, uh, really, not much to promote. We're all locked in our pods, you know? So pretty much go to Comedy Quarantine and you can also message me at Larissa T or um, email me, tell me anything pod at gmail.com. Tell me what's going on with your life. Honestly, it doesn't even have to be a confession. And, you know, you can just tell me. I don't have to play it on the pod unless you want to record a little message. You can call the, the number um, in the description on iTunes uh, and leave me a message. I do listen to all of those. Um, and, you know what? Why not? I'm just going to ask while you're bored at home, if you have five minutes and you haven't reviewed this podcast um, especially love the written reviews. Um, five stars without the review is also nice, but the written reviews really, really do help, you know, new listeners find the pod. So if you have a few minutes and want to write a nice review, five stars, um, you know, you can use your real name, you can use a fake name. I don't know, maybe you're my mom and you want to do it. Who knows? Just, it's nice. Um, if you do write one and you want to get a private confession from me, um, you can email, message me, screenshot of your review, and I will send you a private confession. And I like doing those because I like hearing from you guys. It's always nice. It makes me smile. Okay, um, that's pretty much it for the announcements. Um, this next episode, I had a lot of fun recording. One of my faves, um, Ify Nwadiway, so, so funny. Um, we kind of like cover a lot of ground. We talk about his daughter, but then we talk about his childhood. And then, you know, we get into some interesting um, conversations around the idea of like diversity in the entertainment workplace um, and what that looks like, how much you, when to push for it when you're the only person of color in the room, when, you know, that kind of thing. You know, you'll listen and you'll get it. Okay. Enjoy this episode. Take care. You can tell her. You can tell her.
What's up, Confidant? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. Um, Teresa Lee, you know, this is You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest. And this is the quarantine edition. So we've got our guest up on Skype. I'm very excited to introduce him. He is so, so funny. Um, he's got a very packed calendar and he's about to do um, Super Punch after this. So you can check out all his work um, online. It's Ify Nwadiway. What's up? Hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's so wild because I technically didn't have Super Punch tonight because we were supposed to start our hiatus um, last last week, but they wanted to extend one more week's uh, for hiatus since everyone's at home, and then um, then we'll be uh, on hiatus after this week till May. Wow. So. I mean, the content has to. I mean, people want content. You know, now is the time. Yeah, people. <laughs> People are hungry for the content right now. They 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 need it. They they love it. It's it's been interesting seeing um, all all my friends get into the live stream thing because <laughs> I I always felt weird about it. I felt weird about uh, advertising my Twitch because I'm like, all oh, these comedians are gonna see me talking about Twitch and they're gonna be like, what the <laughs> heck is this? And now like you know, I comedians are hitting me up being like, yeah, what the heck is this? Uh, how do I get on board? You're, I was like, yeah. Look, I love it. You're ahead of the curve. Um, yeah. Well, before we get too far, I'd like to ask for a good confession just to start on a positive note. Is there something good you want to confess? Uh, you know, something something good I want to confess is you know, uh, look, uh, look, I I just I give I've, I'm just given too too much money away uh i because every time i'm a real sucker for when i get stopped on the street so like heifer international mm. i was a donator for ever since uh trump's been elected i've been giving monthly donations to planned parenthood uh and then now like yeah i've just any 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 and all like uh we did uh it was real cool because i i can't even take full credit for this i just kind of jumped on the train and uh and asked everyone to keep the train going, but mm-hmm. I think it was uh, Katie Delaney who uh, who retweeted someone else who was like, who like they genuinely were like, oh, I got this extra thirty five dollars back from some something or another, and I don't need it. If anyone really needs thirty five dollars, let me know and I'll Venmo it to you. And then uh, Katie was like, oh, same here. And so then I did it, and I was like, same here. And <laughs> if anyone can keep this going, let's keep it going. And a few homies stepped in. Uh, Demi Yadoye, apparently Demi, uh, he said he like went on a walk and forgot to check his phone, so he ended up <laughs> giving it to everyone in the thread. Uh, so just just like. Like little ways like that because yeah right now it sucks so I'm just trying to make it suck a little less that's awesome yeah I think I saw something like that I think that's such a great way to pay it forward and it's I actually am um I've come around on this because I used to be when I saw people doing social media giving uh I used to feel more icky about it and this is years and years ago because it felt like oh brag but now I do like to post when I donate because I've I've noticed like sometimes I'll see someone a friend of mine doing something like that and it'll prompt me to want to give so if it has yeah, that effect it's, on it's, me it, i know yeah. it's such a funny thing because you're so right <laughs> because that is the thing that the, and i feel feel like that's a good feeling to have and overcome is to be like well i don't want to be show-offy and that's that's and that's why the only reason i did it was because the nature of it and you know you do have to worry because i had to warn because i noticed there because of all those like sugar daddies on um twitter and stuff (laughs) if you use the word venmo or anything like that you will get Mm. randos popping in and be like i need it and all this stuff and you'll go and look at their replies and they just 
are just replying that every to everyone and they're oh, just yeah. literally searching and so i i probably got got by like one or two people but um oh like because i because i gave to a few but like someone collected yeah, yeah. money. Yeah, so I told my friend um, who I saw do it, I was like, hey, make sure you go through the account to make sure mm. uh, they're a real person and not this weirdo bot accepting Venmos. Gotcha. Um, well, I think that's really great, and I think you do deserve props for doing good stuff. And I, that's why I like to do good confessions, because sometimes it does feel weird to brag, but I'm like, this is your chance to brag. Um, yeah, but yeah. I also, I did find a tweet of yours. I've been also um, looking at people's tweets that come on the pod just to be like, here's something funny because everybody who comes on is someone I think is funny, but I really, pre- I really enjoyed your um, video you did. Uh, it's the how dudes FaceTiming with Bay during the teen video. <laughs> it's like, you. Oh, yeah. it's like in a FaceTime <laughs> um, uh, uh, framing and then you're just like trying to get comfortable and like kind of thirst trapping. So you guys should check that. Yeah. Check out Ify's Twitter for, for gold star <laughs> content like that. It's very funny. Um, yeah, no, that's, I was like, I was trying to FaceTime um, someone and just like a <laughs> friend. And I was, and uh-huh. that's when I came up with the, I was like, oh yeah, you do kind of see how you look when you're doing it. So if you're trying to impress somebody, you'd probably be like, ooh. Yeah, that's true. And that's like, now people are going on dates on FaceTime. I mean, I've, I mean, yeah. we've been in this long enough where I feel like that's whole relationships might happen on FaceTime. I don't know. Like people might break up on FaceTime date and break up on FaceTime. It's going to, it's going to be wild. I was just talking about this the other day, but there's like this mentality of like there, when, when people are in boot camp and jail, you Uh know, you notice some, some people come out, in like relationships because you feel so isolated and someone reaching out it just feels even more intense and you feel more attached and i feel like it's going to be real interesting coming out like everyone's been making the joke of these quarantine divorces but these quarantine (laughs) relationships watch out for them it's going to be the person who just checked in on the right person at the right time and finally got to shoot their shot yeah that is true it's like the sort of the flip side of a long distance relationship like Long distance, I feel like, can be hard because you know what it's like to be in person, but it can also bring you closer when you're just, like, you're pining for someone and it makes you want them more, so I could see how. But then oh, it could yeah. really backfire, you know, when they go out in the real world and they're like, actually, I have a no chemistry with you. Just video yeah. chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, only on the videos <laughs> were you great in person. Yeah. You're not. Um, well, I also like to talk a little bit about therapy because this podcast sort of loosely inspired by that. Um, what's your relationship with therapy and like, have you gone before or what do you think about all that? Oh yeah, I went before and I used to go pretty regularly. Um, and I, I, I like therapy and then like the, it just was a scheduling thing Mm -hmm. where I, couldn't get the therapist that I want. She was amazing. It was great. And just life uh, happened. But I definitely probably am going to just go back. You know, the health insurance is back in and kicking. So <laughs> why not? You know? That's awesome. I, yeah, I highly, uh, yeah, highly recommend therapy for all folk. <laughs> yeah, it is. A, I came to it so late in life and now I feel like it's too much my brand. To the point where I'm like, I feel like my yeah. therapist has for sure seen my <laughs> tweets. My therapist has been, well, my talk therapist has been texting me. And I think at first I thought she was checking in, which I think part of, part of it is. But I think another part is she's probably losing income and trying to low-key without asking me to book her. She's probably low-key yeah. like, hey, you want, you want to do this? 
So I'm like, hmm. Yeah, how's that brain doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to get something off your chest? Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, to text with your therapist. I've never texted with her this much. But uh, <laughs> speaking of talking to therapists, Ify, is there anything you would like to tell me? A big, a, a big secret that I must confess is that, you know, uh, when, when my daughter's mother uh, always wants, you know, my daughter Naomi to eat very healthy things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and, I, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going I'm to hold down the fort. But I do, I have to confess that when she comes over here, I always try and be the cool dad. And I give her <laughs> lots of snacks. I give her Ooh, all the okay. goldfish. I give her all the the the, the fruit snacks. Uh, you know, she gets to watch all her cartoons. You know, uh, her mom straight up like took the TV out of the living room because she was like, "Oh, <laughs> you don't need to be watching that much." So like, when she comes here, it's so it's 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 so cute. Like she'll like uh, take her shoes off and like plop on the couch, and then like I'll like have like a I'll open up a gold goldfish and she'll be like yeah and then she'll uh-huh. just be sitting there enjoying her Mickey's clubhouse yeah oh that's so fun I mean like it the idea of cool dad it's it's funny because I think um you're it's not just that you're doing it because you don't have the other things I mean like because I think like in the past it's like the idea of like being a weekend dad is like oh you just do the cool stuff but you're like I'm aware of all these things you need to do and on top of that once you do the basics like <laughs> I, I will also want you to have fun so I'm like that's such a different yeah. spin on it and also because your job is kind of entertainment it truly does feel like it's like bonding with your child when you're like yes you should watch these shows you should enjoy the video games yeah <laughs> I know it's it's so it's so interesting too because um I definitely think that gives me a bias towards like TV because there are so much so many parents that talk about screen time this screen time mm-hmm. that and it is like it, it, it's kind of like a Luddite, Luddite view to me because it mm-hmm. it it's almost like we remove our understanding of how media is now versus how it was then whereas like there was something between and which a lot of us did and admittedly which I always think is a true betrayal where it's like oh you grew up in front of the TV but now that you're a parent you're like no like that's the main <laughs> thing we accused our parents of doing but then also it's the thing of like before when we were younger and we'd sit in front of the TV you'd sit in front of the TV and you just never knew what would pop up hmm. it would be commercials all these times making us want this and it would just be like whatever was on because you know the kids block were was only for so long whereas now you can literally curate what your child is getting and it is educational edutainment and i did see like you know my daughter coming back to me with words she learned and and stuff like that so i think it's such a funny thing where i think because here's the here's the big here's the gag of it all Teresa. Uh-huh. and one the, this was the first thing i figured out about being pa- a parent is no one knows what they're doing no <laughs> one knows what they're doing no like as, because your parents are literally only telling you the stuff that they liked that their parents did to them. Mm-hmm. And you notice that because you'll know that you're just giving your child the stuff that you liked that your parents gave and then stuff that you believe. So, <laughs> you, you know, like you're there, there is no guide. There's no, no, like there's all these books and stuff, but like it is just another person uh, with who went to school for kids. But, ki- but the first thing that they'll tell you in a lot of these books that are kids are different. They need different things. Everyone has because you're dealing with an actual human being with a mind who is going to accept and learn things differently. 
Yeah, I mean, I used to say that um, parenting is like, um, you know, learning, like if you're learning to walk a tightrope, but the first time you ever do it, you are doing it for real, like with no net. And then if you fall, yeah. that, that tightrope makes a podcast about you uh, when they turn 18. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it, know, yeah. it is like kind of true because it's like, I think, I mean, the fact what you said, I want to kind of explore that, what you said about like, seems so obvious but you said um like your kid is a human being with thoughts and opinions i think that is actually a pr very progressive modern view because i think in the past that isn't the way parents see their kids i mean i think if you ask like yeah. is your child a human being they'd be like yeah but i mean you go far back enough they'd you know back in like ancient china they'd be like no they're not allowed to do anything but i think the modern parenting view of like my child is a human so i what does my child want? And that's like so key because I think even in the nineties when I was growing up, I don't feel like I was often asked like, what do you want? It was just like, do you like this thing that I want you to do? But it still comes from this place of like, well, I know what's best for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that comes from, and to bring it back to the podcast, <laughs> back to that uh, therapy thing, because when you, and, and also just having friends in therapy and talking with them and having these like mental health discussions, when you see just how much of uh, trauma and how much of, you know, <laughs> you, who you are comes from just the way you were raised and yeah. the, the way your parents interacted with you it really does change the way you view parenting. Like you, like every, every time I talk to her in the conversations that you, there, there's always this like thing in the back of my head, even though right now she's so young is in the back of my head where it's like how I allow myself to talk to her, how I allow, uh, how I react to the things she say to me is going to be what she, how she allows herself to be talked to and uh, relate to men. Like this is like this because I am one. I am the first man in her life. I'm one of the. Her. I am her father. Her father figure. Everything that that she sees me do, she's going to assume is just how men operate. <laughs> I mean, there's like like it, it, it's 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 genuinely like interesting when you see how many of the bad qualities you know not to even name anyone specifically but when you see someone uh especially in men when you see their father has a bad quality hmm. and then their son picks it up or if their father has a bad quality and their daughter allows that in their partners is it's just and it's not like they're actively being like because my dad do it it's fine it's like a subliminal thing because mm -hmm. that's how brains work they you know it's woven <laughs> while we're not even you know considering it so and that's something i've been thinking about which is why like you know because the thing in parenting that i'm trying to like disconnect from is you know my dad's a nigerian father and he and it was so funny he he, he his bark was worse than his bite he didn't <laughs> he never really spanked me that much but he yelled a lot and he was very mm. and it was just like the idea of like like i'm i'm frustrated i'm angry and like i'm not gonna hurt you but like i Nigerians talk loud and that's how we talk and I find that I've that has infiltrated me in like how I'll just get mad at games or if I get frustrated uh -huh. like I'll I'll do and I've just been trying to course correct on that and like you know because I, I definitely you know want her to be like you know is, is if some dude raises her voice to be like nah fuck you <laughs> you know if anything yeah. I'd want her to just tase him <laughs> um 
Wait, oh, you paused for a second. Um, no, I mean, I think what you, I like relate to that, um, what you said about like bark more than the bite because I, I feel like I have this like memory of growing up with my mom that's like way worse. But when I actually break it down, like there's so many good times. And, but, and if I were to really count like the really traumatic times, it's probably not that bad. But I think what parents forget is like it is a child that you're talking to. So yelling yeah. is actually much scarier coming from the thing that's supposed to provide your safety exactly so it's not just like being yelled at it's being yelled at by the thing that you were taught like is my source of safety so that's like that's where a lot of i think that trauma comes from but of course it's like they're doing their best too so i never point blame fingers but i think like you said i've learned a lot from exploring my own patterns yeah. to be like oh this is why i'm afraid of this um and not anybody's fault but now that i understand it i probably wouldn't want to do that to my kids you know um but yeah but my yeah, yeah my follow-up too was so your attitude about like i want my kids to have the snacks and watch the tv shows like you're big um into fandom and like you you know you clearly have a lot of knowledge about tv shows what was your childhood like in terms of like watching tv was like what was your relationship with entertainment and and that's like sort of fun aspects of life like was it a thing you um got to do when you finished all your homework or did you sneakily do it like kind of I, I guess are yeah. you mirroring that with your it, daughter or is it the opposite I know that that that's a very interesting question and uh and the answer is even funnier because <laughs> yeah I I don't remember there being a relationship I remember that my homework had to be done before I watched tv but there was no real restriction on that Honestly, it felt like TV was going to be what there was a TV in the kitchen, a TV <laughs> in the living room. And then at one point, the living room became like this velvet room area and where there used uh -huh. to be because there used to be uh, the apartment. There used to be in unit uh, washer and dryer. And so there was like a closing door for that. But and it would uh -huh. be right next to the kitchen. in the But my dad put the entertainment center there. So oh. right when we were eating, we'd be watching TV. So I would just always just. We'd be watching TV, talking to each other when we're eating, watching, just hanging out. And yeah, it's, so TV was a big part of my childhood. But yeah, it also was once I got into video games, that that was always tough because like my my PC wasn't good enough for PC gaming. My and my dad had no interest in making it better for gaming. <laughs> the PlayStation would always get taken from us because we kept playing it too much. But like I would get a Game Boy and I would get this and that. So gaming has always been a big part of my life because I've just been obsessed with it. But yeah, it was the same thing where I, either way I was going to play it, either way I was going to watch what I wanted to watch, but I was definitely gaming a lot. <laughs> Well, I, I think that's so interesting because uh, what you said earlier about like the predated ver uh, idea of like TV, like it's that it's bad. And I get that in the past when it was this new thing. It's like, of course, when kids are all of a sudden watching TV, parents are worried. But but one of I mean, I was my TV was restricted. We didn't have cable. I was allowed to watch, but I was definitely more on the strict side where like things had to be done. And like you had to be not just done with your homework, but you had to get good grades before, you know, you got into any of that. But what I realized is like, I think some of that, um, motivation was, oh, we don't want you to grow up and like only be watching TV. So like, that's a bad habit yet. Now I'm an adult and I can do what yeah. I want. And I'm like, I watch, I bring my like iPad. I walk around my house while I'm like, like doing laundry and, uh, cooking. And I'm like watching all the time. So I'm like, I don't think just because I didn't yeah. do it as a kid, like no habits were formed. I mean, I completely 
still created the habit <laughs> as an adult all on my own. Well, so I, there's like just no way well, to control what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, and the thing that I always saw and what I'm totally avoiding as a parent, and I've just seen it so many times is the, when you make it this like special thing that must be avoided, it only makes them want it more. Uh, I remember uh-huh. uh, my ex, she was, babysitting this family and they had no screen time no tv time and then they finally felt that they were the age appropriate way (laughs) uh you know age appropriate to watch and they watched a movie and she said the way they were looking at the tv was like oh my gosh and i feel it was the same way even with like those two cool parents who like was like yeah, you could smoke weed. We don't care. Those kids <laughs> never cared about smoking weed. They never like it was because they had the option. And I think that's the thing is like you get to an age where you want to rebel. You want to do the things you can't do. So the, putting all this pressure on not doing it. I mean, like it's proven time and time again. I mean, that's the reason why like white women with racist dads love black men. <laughs> like it's like you you try so hard to to like push them away they're just mm-hmm. gonna want it more because you're keeping them away versus just letting them have it see what, how they really feel about it you you make it that much more special yeah i mean man that's a very very like a, a deep interpretation i feel like again it, it does kind of just go back to parenting i mean ho- hopefully uh oh, yeah. i mean you know tv is is, is so much less uh, awful than racism, but uh, but I know what you mean because yeah. it's sort of <laughs> sort of like this idea that emotionally you're connecting this like thing, right? What like TV or rebellion or drugs or whatever to your relationship with your parents, and so I feel like what's different about what you're talking about, like letting your daughter um, have fun when she's over, is that you also have a relationship with your daughter. So it's for her, it's not like oh, she has to like TV to then spend time with dad. It's just that like, that's a bonus. She gets to watch TV, but you're also getting to know her and you have other things. And I think that's the key. There is no, it's like these objects and things like that are just objects and symbols. At the end of the day, people are connecting to the person behind it. I don't know if that makes sense because I'm now I'm trying to think if I have anything weird. No, no, that made sense. Not weird, but like if I have weird significance uh, in in things in my life like that that I wasn't able to do and yeah maybe drugs because I really was (laughs) not to be like I I don't do a lot of drugs but I definitely did not do it at (laughs) all growing up and I was so like I had friends who smoked weed which is very chill in California where I grew up and I didn't even touch weed I was just so like yeah absolutely no zero tolerance um and it wasn't until i basically got a job graduated college like was in my 20s that i was like well i've done all the things that supposedly drugs were supposed to keep me from and now i haven't done drugs so i guess i should do drugs now like <laughs> and so then that yeah. even making it all that far i was like okay cool now i see there's nothing the thing that people were telling me not to do it for i i passed the test so now i can do it so yeah i don't know if that makes sense uh I had, yeah, no, I guess, I, the I eyes definitely. light up moment with drugs that those kids yeah. uh, <laughs> babysitting for had. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> I didn't go too far either. Like, I still feel like is I just opened up that part of my life and then I'm not too far in that either. And so it's just another thing I've added because I don't know. I guess nothing's good or bad is what I'm trying to say, except how you yeah. relate no, th- to Yeah, that's it. definitely, I think, I think that's 
a thousand percent true is just really anything in moderation is fine like you know my daughter she'll come and she'll sit down and she'll watch it because there's no restriction after she'll get bored because kids have short attention spans anyway (laughs) she'll want to like go and have a tea party in her room and go and play with stuff like it's not and like that's why it's so funny when people are just talking screen time this screen time that when you're like i remember when i was younger yeah, I'm watching TV, but really I'm just sitting there generating ideas for me to play with, like, my toys. Like, I'm not really actively watching. And I think that's – and it's it really is, like, one of those things where it's like, all right, either y'all forgot or y'all just – I don't know. There's there's – one thing that kind of stuck with me um, the most is um, – is I remember Kevin Smith had this saying where it was like where they're asking if he'll let his daughter watch R-rated movies and I'm sure she was older not she's not Naomi's age she isn't four uh-huh. you know but he was like he was like yeah why would I prevent her from watching you know the way I make money you know like and I and that's kind of how I looked at you know screen time and TV where it's like it'd be so weird for me to be like yeah I'm, money is how I'm putting uh, I mean TV is how I'm putting food on the table but you can't watch it at all don't you dare try yeah because then there's this sense of like uh hypocriticism and, and then it's like yeah there's no real reason except for control I guess but that's my okay so my yeah. other question is so she so she sort of has the free will to watch whatever she wants has she um sort of followed in your footsteps in terms of things she's interested in or maybe she's too young to uh be like sort of yeah no, notice just, any of that but or do still, you notice her kind of going a lot like oh sh- this is a thing that's totally unique to her that she's just been drawn to yeah she's still so young where it's like not hyper point well here's the thing is <laughs> i she she likes PJ Masks, which is a superhero show, a uh, kid show, okay. which I took as a win. And so <laughs> that was nice. And then uh, I actually, the only Miyazaki film I watched ever was Ponyo. So I bought the Miyazaki collection. Oh, and my God. So I, saw, I think I saw this on your Twitter I, and I got excited. And yeah. I was going to ask you about it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we watched uh, My Neighbor Totoro together. She really liked that. Um, so so, so I'm, I think I'm slowly getting her on the anime train because she was also <laughs> watching Goron Lagan with me while I was watching it. And I think because anime is so expressive, like people mm. make a lot of faces and stuff, like she's really into that. And then she, she was enjoying Kiki's delivery service, but then she got tired and fell asleep. <laughs> I um I love Miyazaki. Totoro was one of the first uh things I watched too. It was like on a like one of those VHS where I think my grandma had recorded it. I don't know if she bought it, yeah. but it was for sure recorded from something where like I don't know. It was one of those things where like whenever they would come from Taiwan, they'd be like, <laughs> "We brought this," and it's like on some like like cardboard yeah. VHS thing. Um, but I remember watching that and I loved it. And my favorite Miyazaki. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but definitely. It, it might be a little old for her now, but Spirited Away is my favorite one. And it's like very, like, it's got that very sort of like sad, sweet mix that I love about yeah. Miyazaki. Um, but yeah, I think anime is cool, especially like stories like that, because they're so, um, like, they're so complex. Not that Disney movies aren't, but Disney tends to follow a formula. Whereas I think when you're watching some of these like foreign animes, they're, um, they're just exposing kids to like a, sort of a different I don't know it's like a different story that you're not used to seeing every day necessarily growing up here so then that opens your mind to like different viewpoints which I think is really cool 
Well, no, I, I think as someone who just watched it, I think you're right. They're way more complex in the sense that um, these big ideas aren't kind of, I think in a lot of American children films, big ideas and huge imaginations are kind of downgraded to child's play in the mm. sense where if like a kid sees something wonderful or kids see the adult always doubts them the adult always downs mm-hmm. plays them and it's them who have to convince the adult whereas in Miyazaki they brought up the little suit the suit monsters and he goes oh that must have been this like he was always on board with them he never doubts them he's always supporting their decision to have these big ideas and I think another thing I really noticed after seeing two is so far in Miyazaki <laughs> films like the the kind of asshole characters they're just assholes and that's it like they never get their comeuppance every time in like American media if someone's a dick to the main character at some point in the movie something has to happen to them that you either makes them figure out they're cool or they get in trouble but like in uh totoro that girl uh the 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 boy who's like really mean but you can tell he kind of has a crush Uh nothing happens like it literally his last scene is him like ignoring the fact that they came to the door (laughs) um and then in kiki's delivery service that bratty girl who kind of like is shitting on her just has this party and shits on her grandma's food and then like is just an is, is just mean like like it's she's never has this coming around moment where she's like you are cool and i like that because that is real life in real life you're gonna have mm-hmm. shitty people and there's nothing that's gonna happen that's gonna make them all of a sudden like you there's nothing that's gonna happen that's gonna that's gonna make them get their comeuppance you just do your thing because they're just on the sideline and i think that's the bigger takeaway that i think um is the difference between western media and like the miyazaki films is uh you know people who dislike you or disagree with you are always uh an a roadblock opposition in american mm. media and miyazaki they're just on the sidelines and you don't have to you you just have to ignore the, what they're saying and i think that's true <laughs> is that's how we should always look at our haters is they're just on the sidelines they're not in your way and if they if they are if your hater happens to be a gatekeeper we need to understand there's multiple gates and yeah. you just gotta go around them oh i've never thought about that way but that's so interesting and you're so right because um like in every movie even in the western ones like villains are you know if you were to flip it like just the protagonist in their story because technically like we're talking about there's no such thing as good or bad there's definitely good or bad actions and there's things that hurt people yeah but if you were to you know really break it down a lot of heroes make mistakes and but that's sort of part of their journey even like um the uh what's that later the re- latest wreck at ralph um at the uh mm-hmm. it's the number two or whatever at the end the little girl um she or there was like a moment in it where basically her and ralph like do something where in real life if that happened like sh- i think he sabotages her life in a way it's like if a friend yeah. did that to me in real yeah. life like that's like a you're no longer my friend you're cut out forever like that's really shitty but in the movie yeah. world because we already are told that they're the hero they can make up and understand like why they did it but that's a villain move, yeah. you know, and a lot of heroes do villain moves. Oh, yeah. In Disney movies, we're just told it's okay because they're the hero. Whereas what you're saying, it's like... Yeah, if you just understand a- them. Yeah, I mean, these assholes, like, they're 
complex right in life i mean they're maybe in this moment like we don't we're not rooting for them but they're probably there's probably a reason behind that and so it's not about like smushing them or like uh, eliminating them for the hero to thrive it's about the, the hero's journey is to figure out themselves and how they interact with their world not getting rid of all the haters which weirdly kind of ties yeah. into what's happening in our country now i mean not to get too political but i feel like a yeah, lot yeah, of times on twitter people um who can't talk to each other are just all about like owning the other team so it's not really about them growing it's just about like as long as you're suffering and you're owned then i'm good and it's like that is very disney yeah so that's interesting i never thought about it that way oh yeah i I know it it was something that uh i know i subliminally subliminally Mm -hmm. subliminally held for a long time because i remember i was writing for this show and there, and essentially, um, like there's these. If you if you haven't noticed any video that goes viral, there will be some like site like Juke and Media or whatever mm. who will hit them up and be like, "Yo, let can we license this?" And then you get money when we license this to people. <sighs> and and so uh, anytime a show wants to use like a viral video, they're now being kind of extorted for mm. however much this company wants to get. And like on a on an on an ethical level, that is wrong because one, you know that the 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 company that's taken it is definitely not giving them fifty fifty. Yeah. We we know Jukin's not giving fifty fifty of this of these deals. Two, it's like it's very predatory because you you're only approaching like you're not trying to curate content. You're just finding content that a lot of people like, owning it, mm-hmm. and so you can make money off of it. And I remember someone explained it to me and I was like, oh, well, they can't get away with it. And, um, <laughs> and the person was like, why not? And I go, well, that's wrong. It was like, uh-huh. yeah, but it's legal. And then that's when like, I was like, oh, my whole perception of things is like, you, you, you think that like, oh, because something is ethically or morally wrong is necessarily illegal, but it's not. Hmm. And that's because of this sense of justice that a lot of media puts into us, where it's like, if you think it's wrong, there's a way to put a stop to it, but sometimes no. It, it, and I, that's why I like you need. We need more things like Game of Thrones because that's really what the real world is like. For it, it, not trying to sound all like nerdy, but it's like the real world's game. But it really is. Is like there's a game, just chaos, and everyone's playing. bad. Or yeah. what, what do you mean? Oh well, just the sense of the. I mean, the idea of Game of Thrones and the reason. Uh, Ned died so quick is because our concept of the way stories like that work mm. is that as as long as you're honorable and you you do the right thing you're going to succeed which mm-hmm. is why he had to die so quick because that is not how things work <laughs> there is a it's almost the opposite there, there of how things power. work in real yeah. life <laughs> well it's well there are people in power there is a there is a a system to things and if you try and buck against it just because you think you you have the right one the people in power can just take you out and i think that's the real world in the Mm -hmm. sense of there is uh there is i mean like let's let's look um like if you're if you're working at a job Mm -hmm. and and you're and you're the first yeah i know right <laughs> uh and let's let's just say a corporate job and you're the first person of color there mm-hmm. and you notice that they never really hire a person of uh, people of color and your your gut instinct would be like oh i should bring this to their attention mm. and then 
then like they view you as a, a problem and you pushed out. Now at the end of that, you don't have a job and there's still no uh, people of color there. Mm -hmm. So then let's do another scenario. You, you you have a job and there's no people of color. They don't hire them and you uh, and you know you you ask in an innocuous way and be like, oh man, all this and they're like, yeah, you know, just for some reason. You know, we, we, we hire and that's all this is like, OK, cool. And then you like work your way up. You 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 work and you, you get their trust. You get to the uh, the top and now you're hiring people of color and they can't tell you to stop because they now they know, because mm -hmm. if they outwardly say they don't want you to do it, then they're in trouble. That's and that's the difference of the Game of Thrones and then doing mm. the Ned Stark way. And that's so yeah. that's what I mean when I say it's like the Game of Thrones where it's like you have to play the game and backdoor change in a lot of situations. I think in this country, uh, in the government, that's what we like, you know, the only reason we're even as progressive as we are is because, you know, people like AOC and, mm -hmm. are coming in and just, you know, taking the democratic route but they still have progressive policies but they know they can't just be like all right i'm gonna just run this uh, as a socialist and do the socialist game because they'll be blocked you know yeah so it's like you're gonna come in as a democrat and you're just gonna do these left uh, these these like far left leaning policies and really stand up for what you can and that's why they they're opposing her so hard is because they know she played the game and got in and they're freaking out because if now <laughs> you have someone in position with ideals like that who is on a track to where they can become a president and so they're just trying to start smearing her and making her look bad now because they know she has the mm. potential yeah that's so interesting i mean because i mean that scenario you brought up is like very common in entertainment and i've talked about uh, scenarios like that with other guests on the pod in like writers rooms but it's almost as like um like paradox where it the rooms that are completely white with no no writers of color like they're not getting called out because they're not calling each other out well like you know maybe they are but let's be real yeah. they're not and so yeah. once they finally do hire a person of color like and that person speaks up all of a sudden they all feel uncomfortable they're like oh, i knew it everything was better before and it's like no you were wrong before yeah, yeah, you just weren't getting called out <laughs> so it's sort of like that happens yeah. so much and then so being the first person you do you do get put in an uncomfortable situation because it's like you know, we know what's going on. And it's like, oh, if I want to make change, I got to like, really, like you said, work my way in and then make it. Otherwise, they'll be like, ah, yeah. we knew it. Like, we shouldn't have done this to begin with, well, because, but, you know. Yeah, that's the thing is because the way, you know, rooms work, it's, it's all like, it's all friends and it's all like, you know, people who, who are like, who are like trying to get their friends in because we're all stuck in a room for like eight to 12 hours. So you want, you definitely want someone who's vetted, who you know is cool and who isn't going to be a time. So if you like putting your time and you're, you're trusted by these colleagues and then they're just going to be like you and you throw a few people of color their way, unless they are truly overtly, and a hundred percent racist trying to keep uh, people of color out the room. They're gonna they're gonna go ahead and listen to you because they're yeah. like, well, we want people of color in here, and this guy is vetting, and he's a person of color we like. It's just that thing because I think a lot of times I think it's it really is when you, you when when all your it's that thing of like all your friends being white and mm -hmm. you get this job and you're trying to give a job to your friends, but all your friends are white, and then you're afraid to invite. <laughs> a person of color who you don't know because you don't because now you're nervous because yeah. you don't know because because that's the thing is like you well i, I think that's a problem I, by itself too stuff. though right like the idea of mm -hmm. when you oh, look yeah. around if all your friends are exactly the same but i mean i guess at that point it, oh, it's yeah. like oh too late 
But I think that is the thing I hear a lot is um, people will ask, and I their, their heart's in the right place, but people hiring will be like, we have a new spot. And it's like, we really want a woman, or we really want a writer of color. And then they'll say that. And it's like, I get why they say that, because they definitely want that spot not to go to a white person. But that mentality is already starting from a different place. Like, whereas like, if your friends are diverse and you're funny, like more than likely that people you recommend will be diverse. And obviously yeah. this is like a bigger, we don't have to get too into it. Cause it's like without them saying that it won't happen. So I get why they do it. But ideally we're in companies run by people who already are doing that without having yeah. to be like, Oh fuck, we forgot. We forgot the, the final spot. And then they're like correcting, you know, I don't know. It's just this weird way that they yeah. see it as a check mark instead of like, you know, sometimes when I'm booking lineups on comedy shows, like, I don't think about that until the end. And then I'll usually do a glance over and I'm like, usually everything's fine. So it's, yeah. it's this different mentality of like, you're starting from who's funniest and my network just is more diverse, but also because I am like content in their eyes, diverse, like, you know, I, I can get why that might happen. Well, yeah, because, because you actively, cause it's not something you, it's, 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 it's it's interesting to talk about because it's just the general idea that there are people who don't realize that they only feel comfortable about around white people. Like they don't, <laughs> they don't realize it yeah. because that's, and that's the only excuse I can think of for you to just not have any non-white <laughs> friends. And, and I'll see it too, because you'll just watch in these spaces, you know, we've all been in improv classes. We've mm -hmm. all been in acting classes. We've all been, and we've seen how the white people will just, you know, kind of stick together and, you know, and, and really try and link up with their own. And then you'll watch how they kind of talk with and work with people of color. And it's never that it's never that same one. Like yeah. I'll, I'll be scrolling the timeline and see them like doing a, a meetup, a six month meetup and be like, damn, I didn't even get an invite to that. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I probably wouldn't have gone, but it, it is like interesting to be like, damn, we didn't even get an invite, but that's just how they're just not even thinking. And I've been in places where like literally right in front of you, white people will be like oh sh oh we should do this together we should do okay cool let's do this after 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 we rap we're gonna do this da, da, da. and just we should go to a fish concert and, and li like, listen to dave yeah. matthews no is that racist i don't know yeah uh. so it's, it's things like that and it's so funny because i wonder if it's like if it's a thing where because you also because i'm because i feel like it's also just like a um almost on a, on a cultural level where I find that a lot of people of color are like, well, if you're talking about something and someone's in the room, you have to invite them. Like if, if <laughs> me and you are in a green room and there's a third, third person who we don't really know that well, but I'm mm -hmm. like, after this, we're going to eat here and this, no matter what that person's getting an invite because they're in the room mm -hmm. you, because it'd be rude for us to talk about it and not invite them. We'd have to, but then on the flip, there's been so many times where um, I'll be talking about some shit and a white person will just invite themselves. So I'm wondering <laughs> if they're like, if they want to go, they would have just invited themselves. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. I mean, you know I mean, it's also like funny because uh, I've seen where people are so careful, right? Because they don't want to be seen as racist. Instead of the whole idea of equality is yeah. just like be a fucking person and treat people like people. But I, I yeah. understand like, obviously it's a sensitive time. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not that empathetic, but I kind of get it. Like when people are very careful where they yeah. 
are afraid to call you out on anything because they're like, oh, what if that's an Asian thing? Or, But, you know, it's like that's also yeah. like racist in a way because I've had that where I'll start yeah. telling a story, you know, of like maybe a trip to Taiwan. And some of it's like weird things that people did, not like Taiwanese people do, you know, like it's just, oh, a funny thing that happened. But then I'll just get this like really like overzealous enthusiasm like, oh, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's and I'm like, God damn it. Like you just are trying really hard to have the right reaction as opposed to just hearing yeah. the story and reacting as you would. And that also happens yeah. because if you're the only person in the room, they can't compare to anybody. Like if there were like eight Asian people in a room and I was telling a weird story or being weird, they would just be like, Teresa's being weird. But if I'm the only one, they'd be like, oh, we can't be mean to the one Asian person being weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's so, it's so wild. Is it, yeah, and then really like all these problems are solved by just uh, hanging around with more people of color yeah. because, you know, it's so funny because when you are hung, hanging out with a white person who hangs, like whenever I'm with a black, uh, a white person who hang, hangs out with a lot of black per- people, you just see how comfortable they are. And sometimes I'm like, damn son, you too comfortable. But like, <laughs> but like it is like the difference of just because you don't have to worry about everything you said because you've already either have made those mistakes or just, you know, those people. So you've already had those discussions. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way, I'm going to tie this back to the TV and movies because um, so much of like what we've watched, like visually growing up and and here and whatever, and the storylines do affect how we view the world and interact with people. So I do kind of think like if you have like access to just more culture, like because there's movies and TV shows and all this stuff, like if you're exposing yourself to more than just like one, you know, Disney princess mainstream format then you're by default already opening yourself up to like just different viewpoints so I do sometimes think about like when I'm when I'm living my life and I'm like oh I don't know like personally I'm like oh I don't know what to do about like I, I really want this thing but it feels like you know if I if I go for you know this job uh, this is a bad example but you know like oh I'm, I'm doing it for money reasons versus like you know what's socially responsible I will think about movies that I've seen and be like, okay, well, what did I like about this character? Do I want to be like that? And that sounds so cliche, but I do think they affect us so much. So if I think that's like another argument for watching more movies and TV shows, because you are learning and you watch characters make those mistakes. You watch characters say dumb things, you know, and then they have their arc. So then you can actually learn from that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, are you? I'm, I'm sure you're just like, I just wanted to be a cool dad. I don't know. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I, I definitely do. Like, I feel I've, I definitely do like get inspired by specific characters and the way they approach things. So, uh-huh. no, I'm right there with you. Uh, is but there? I want to be a cool dad. Yeah, kind of to round it out. Um, is there anything that you'd be like, my daughter can't watch this. I, this is bad, or like quality, or just in general, like no. I hope if she likes this, I'm still saying no. Or you're just like, we'll see what she likes. No, I'll see what she likes. I'll, I'll try and like you know, I'll try and keep her in the pg lane like Mm -hmm. i'll wait till she's i'll say probably like 11 12 she'll be in pg 13 unless it's a movie i feel like (laughs) she must see you know because i'm not necessarily afraid of my daughter hearing curse words like everyone if they curse around my daughter they're like oh 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 no and it's like no i think it's good for uh for adults to curse around kids (laughs) because like that's how you teach them that boundary like you like 
why am I like why am I making you censor yourself mm. to so my so what no if my daughter says it she's in trouble and she needs to know she's in trouble <laughs> uh and you know like like definitely say it and when she asks why it's like oh we because that's adult language you mm. don't use that as a kid you know, and and that's one thing I definitely want to do and make sure I do is just if, if there's something she can't do, always be able to say why. Like, I never want to run off of I told you so. Oh, that's such a good framing too. the idea of um, cursing as boundaries, because calling it adult language is such a straightforward, consistent rule because you're an adult and she's not. Yeah. As opposed to being like, this is forbidden and off limits. And I can't tell you why, because that's what makes kids go out and like say swear words to each other because it's like titillating to say forbidden things as opposed to being like the boundary was yeah. very clear the boundary's not changed the rule's not different for me like when i was a kid i got in trouble and now i'm an adult and i'm allowed mm-hmm. and so it's like yeah. so so much clearer for them yeah and it makes sense and that's the thing is and that's one of those things that goes back to what i was saying about like kind of building for her future is i want her to feel comfortable questioning authority because there should be a reason for mm-hmm. anything i like it like it's going to be interesting in school if a teacher approaches me where she's like <laughs> i told her because i said so and she got mad i was like well i'm gonna ask that you explain why because <laughs> i don't want her blindly uh following authority you know especially as a black person it was mm-hmm. like no I, I i my daughter you know she she's like semi passing let her let her use that that privilege in her blood to question cops <laughs> and to ha- and and get to the bottom of why they might be annoying her at the time for no reason and i think everyone should feel comfortable questioning authority i mean i feel for obvious reasons some people may not feel comfortable mm-hmm. questioning authority but just mm-hmm. it is our right to know even even when we're being arrested a cop has to tell us are we being arrested and why you know mm-hmm. uh, they'll they'll try and pretend like they don't have to but they do <laughs> yeah well what if though okay hypothetical she grows up and she's like my favorite podcast is the joe rogan podcast would you be like yeah that's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll support her. You know, I'm yeah, yeah. Let her, let her. It's a joke. Uh, look, get get get, get lifted, get get all nice and buff. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because um, this podcast probably well, is still I, gonna be going. Oh no, you're breaking up. Wait, hello. Oh, sorry. Oh no, it's okay. I think I, I cut you off though. Oh no, it's all good. No, I said it's. I was just saying that uh, the Joe Rogan prod- podcast probably still will be going by the time she's an adult. <laughs> her. Uh, <laughs> She's just like a frat bro, completely just like conspiracy theorist. <laughs> she she writes for Barstool Sports 2.0. Oh my god! Oh jeez. Um. Well, thank you so much for right, sharing maybe that. I, I have a quick that. game. Um. Do you want to play this game? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, it's ve- it's a very stupid game, and it, I uh, it's inspired by um your love of video games and your horniness on Twitter. Okay, it's called. If it ex- <laughs> it's called if it exists, um, so according to the rule of internet and porn, if it exists, there's porn for it, um, except for rule porn of my ex apologizing because I've looked that up. It doesn't exist yet, <laughs> but one day. <laughs> but overall, if there's a character with tits and things, probably been drawn in some positions that are questionable for the TV. Um, so this is a very simple game. Um, I will say a video game, and then uh, you try to come up with the porn parody title. So, for example, Super Smash Bros. would be like Super 
Super Smash Bang Bros, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah, yeah. it's just kind of a fun, dumb game. I actually was going to try oh. to look up real ones and have you guess, but it just I had to stop. Um, <laughs> so there's too much too much uh too, people too many people yeah. with talented art artistic skills with crazy imaginations <laughs> on reddit so i had to stop looking at those okay <laughs> okay here's the first one fortnite uh oh um I, I think just go for the 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 low-hanging fruit and call it fuck night oh okay there you go that's a good one i i also wrote uh four fingers night that could work maybe <laughs> four in one night uh okay assassin's creed Ooh, assassin's seed Ooh, okay that's a good one or ass and ass <laughs> <laughs> uh okay okay uh red dead redemption Ooh. Ooh. Uh, okay okay Um. Okay. You could say skip if you can think of one too. No, no, no. I'm oh. I'm coming up with one for everyone. <laughs> okay. Red in bed redemption. Oh man. Okay. A little, little period sex reference there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Dark Souls. I have one for oh, this. Man. That's uh, <laughs> very dumb. <laughs> Dong Souls. Oh, that's a good one. I wrote Dark Holes. Um. <laughs> Ooh, that's better. That's better. Uh okay. Uh, World of Warcraft. Ooh, I'm, well, there is a porn parody called the World of Warcraft, so I won't use oh, that. Oh, okay. That's a real porn parody. That's a real one. Um, yeah. Uh, How do World is it a game? E-S. That's good. That's very iffy. I feel like we should end on that. That's perfect. Um, I did write <laughs> World of Huge Chef, but I like World of Eat Ass better. So. We're going to yeah. end on World of Eat Ass. If there's any game designers out there who love to eat ass, make it happen. Yeah. And then at Iffy. Iffy, where can make people find you and at you? Uh, you can find me on Iffy Whitey Way on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod. Follow me at Larissa T on Twitter and Instagram. And that's it. Thanks for listening, guys.